0: So I'm going to start by warning you guys that this case deals with violence against women.
1: Awesome.
0: So this is my Quebec story, and also since it is the Quebec story, I apologize ahead of time. I may not pronounce everything correctly. My French is not is a little rusty.
1: I got you, babe.
0: So this- I don't got you, babe. <laughs> You guys have probably heard of this case before. This is the École Polytechnique Massacre in Montreal. I
1: haven't, actually.
0: You might have just not, you might just not recognize the name.
1: Okay, yeah. I live under a rock, so you never know.
0: I think you've probably heard of it because, like, on our campus there's, like, a memorial thing every year. You probably just don't recognize the name.
1: Okay, yeah. It's, yeah, it's
0: very well-known. So I'm going to start by telling you about our perp. Um, His name is Marc Le Pen. He was born October 26, 1964, in Montreal. His birth name was Gamil Rodriguez Garby? It's Algerian, so I'm not, I'm really not sure. His father, Rashid, was an Algerian immigrant, and his mother, Monique, was French-Canadian and a former Catholic nun. Oh. So, for the first while, I'll be calling him by his birth name until when the switch is, when he changes it. So, Gamil was baptized Catholic, but received no religious upbringing. His family moved around a lot, and his first few years he lived in Costa Rica and Puerto Rico where his father worked for a Swiss mutual funds company. And then his family returned to Montreal permanently in 1968, so he was four years old. His father was a possessive, jealous, and authoritarian man who was frequently violent to his wife and children. He forced his wife to act as his personal secretary and she would type for him and he would slap her if she made any spelling errors and then make her start over. And she would have to, if she made an error, if the kids were fussing, if they were upset or anything, he didn't care. She had to finish what she was doing before she was allowed to go to the children. And he discouraged any kindness to the children because he thought of it as spoiling them. being nice to them
1: oh Oh, no I just said good morning to my daughter what a spoiled brat (laughs)
0: Um,
1: what is
2: this affection disgusting
0: now I realize now I didn't put uh, when his sister was born but he does have a younger sister but I didn't put her birth year in here Um, in 1970 after his father hit him so hard that it left marks for weeks after his mother decided to leave. And they were officially divorced in 1976, and the kids lived with their mother, him and his sister Nadia. The children saw their father on weekly supervised visits for a little bit in the beginning, and then Rashid ceased contact with his children shortly after him and Monique separated in 1971. So it really didn't last very long.
1: So he was basically like, alright, I'm finally done with you guys.
0: Yeah, pretty much.
1: Awesome.
0: Classy. Camille never saw his father after that and refused to ever talk about him. And his father only ever paid two child support payments. So Monique, his mom, um, had to go back to work as a nurse which she previously did and then she started taking some classes to advance her career and during this time period while she's taking classes the her children lived with other family members on weekdays and lived with her on weekends we
1: love a boss-ass bitch though go mom.
0: Monique sought family counseling in 1976 because she was concerned about the children. The psychiatrist said there was nothing wrong with uh, her son, despite the fact that he was shy and withdrawn, but recommended counseling for his sister because she was basically being, like, by the sounds of it, she was kind of just being a normal preteen girl and, like, standing at, like, not going along with everything her mom said, which we all go through that phase.
1: Giving attitude. Yeah. I still yeah. do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh. me too. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, a, a different time. So, at age 14, he changed his name to Mark Lepine after being teased often about his Arabic name, and he hated his father anyway, so there was no point, like, he felt there was no point keeping it and i believe that was his mother's maiden name but i don't know for sure so he was uncommunicated uncommunicative i can't even say that word
1: uncommunicative
0: yeah that showed little m- emotion and suffered from low self-esteem and had chronic acne his sister, Nadia, often teased him for acne and the fact that he didn't have a girlfriend.
1: I'm sorry, but raise your hand if you had acne and you don't murder people.
0: Right? And, <laughs> oh, boo-hoo, his sister teased him. How nervous him.
1: would you guys be if I didn't raise my hand? <laughs> <laughs> guys, I have um, something to tell you. raise your hand, so, um... Maddie, have you
2: never had acne, or...? Yep, <laughs> that's right,
0: clear skin for life, baby... He often fantasized about his sister's death, and even once made a fake grave for her. As
2: that's we all nice. do, you know, that's all Sibs do. Uh
0: huh. I mean, yeah, isn't that part of sibling duties?
2: Mine is still out in in the yard. It's called the
1: septic tank. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh huh.
0: In 1981, Monique placed Nadia in a group home for her delinquent behavior and drug use, and Mark was overjoyed by this. Um, I didn't see any details about what her delinquent behavior was other than standing up to authority, but I would assume it had escalated a bit if she was into drugs as well and her mother put her in a group home. So his mother was concerned about him not having a male role model in his life, so she got him a big brother through Big Brothers Big Sisters. And for anyone not familiar with that organization, it's a Canadian nonprofit organization, and I have a quote from their website, quote, mentoring relationships change young people's lives with training and professional support, big brothers and big sisters mentors form strong positive relationships with their mentees that express care, challenge growth, share power and expand possibilities." End quote. So, it essentially just sets young teens. Well, I'm not sure what the age range, age cap is, but it sets preteens and teens up with adults of the same sex to just kind of help them navigate life and like my dad did it they went to like they'd go to local hockey games and go to the movies like just go do fun stuff and be a role model for them um I also one thing that reminded me that I should address while I am aware that there are more than two genders for the sake of the story it only focuses on male and female and nothing else is ever discussed. While there are many people involved in this, it just focuses on male and female. So, at age 17, Mark applied for the Canadian Forces as an officer cadet in September of 1981, but he was rejected during the interviewing process. He later told his friend it was because of his difficulties accepting authority and in his suicide note later... Well, spoiler alert there, but not really if you're familiar with the case. <laughs> he said that part of the reason was because he had been found to have antisocial personality traits.
1: Gee, we'll give it away.
0: <laughs> right? Um, at age 18, he moved to Saint-Laurent to his CJP. So CJeP is a publicly funded college providing a mix of programs... That is exclusive to Quebec's education system. So most, if not all, students in Quebec do a year of CGEP after high school. And it's kind of just like, it's like taking pre-health or something like that in college. Like to up your skills and your courses before moving on to more intensive post-secondary. Yeah. And soon after moving, he lost touch with his high school friends. And this move marked the beginning of what he called the seven years that brought him no joy. In 1982, he started a two-year pre-university course in pure science. And he worked part-time serving food and doing custodial work at the hospital where his mother was now the director of nursing. He was described as nervous, hyperactive, and immature by colleagues. And after a year, he switched to a three-year technical program geared towards immediate employment instead of more education. His teachers described him as a quiet, hard-working model student and said he generally did well in his classes, but in the fall semester of 1985, his mark suddenly dropped, and in February of 1986, he suddenly stopped attending school with no explanation and then ended up failing. In 1986, he got his own apartment and applied for the engineering program at École Polytechnique de Montreal and was admitted on the condition that he complete two compulsory courses beforehand. In nineteen eighty-seven, he was fired from his job at the hospital for his carelessness in his work, aggressive behavior, and disrespect of superiors. And he was enraged by this dismissal and described a plan to commit a murderous rampage and then suicide. His friends said he was unpredictable and often flew into rage, often flew into rage whenever he was frustrated. He
1: frequently goes to raves. Oh, sorry. I mean, that is a
0: good way to get your frustration out. (laughs) Yeah,
1: angsty teens have to get it
0: out somehow. (laughs) February 1988, he started a course at a private college and moved to downtown Montreal with an old friend from high school. In 1989, he took a prerequisite SAJEP course to get into the engineering program he had previously applied for. And Mark wanted a girlfriend, but he was generally uncomfortable around women.
2: Shocking.
0: He tended to boss women around and try to show off his knowledge.
1: Another shocker. (laughs) Truly.
0: He often spoke out to other men about his dislike of career women, feminists, and women who work in traditionally male careers, and said that women should remain home to care for their families.
2: Misogyny, is that you? This is why women don't trust men. Like,
0: <laughs> But wait, there's more. <laughs> there's
2: always more. Of course. Worst infomercial ever. <laughs> In March
0: 1989, he applied again to the engineering program, but was rejected because he lacked the prerequisites that he had already previously been told he had to take. In March, he abandoned his college course despite performing well in his CJP course and getting 100% on his final exam. In April, 1989, he met with a university admissions officer and complained that women were taking over the job market from men. God. <laughs> so now we shall get into his horrible Horrible crimes.
1: Great. Great, because what he hasn't done... What he's done already hasn't been enough.
0: Well, he hasn't really committed any crimes yet. He's just been a shitty fucking person.
1: Yeah, he's
2: just trash talk. Like, he's been a man so far.
0: (laughs) It only gets worse from here.
2: Exciting. And then it got worse.
0: So. This massacre he committed... Appeared to have been planned for months and is considered the second deadliest mass shooting in recent Canadian history. In August 1989, he picked up an application for firearms acquisition certificate and received his permit in October. On November 21st, same year, 1989, he purchased a Ruger Mini-14 semi-automatic rifle at a local sporting goods store, and said he, he was going to use it to hunt small game.
1: Okay, women aren't that small. <laughs> we come in all different shape, shapes and sizes, asshole.
2: <laughs> I mean, I don't think he was. He could realistically go in and be like, "Hey, I'll take a bullet for a moose, please," and they're gonna be like, "What the fuck are you doing in Montreal, bud?"
0: Yeah, really. Between October and December 1989, he was seen at least seven times on campus of Ecole Polytechnique. December 2nd, 1989, he got his mother a present, despite it being several weeks before his birthday. Which is just kind of a weird fact. Yeah, that's
2: planning ahead.
0: Before yeah. his
2: birthday or before her birthday?
0: Well, he got her a present it was near her birthday but like her birthday wasn't for several weeks oh,
1: okay i thought you said his birthday and i was like why is he getting a present
0: no no her? and he's he... getting
1: himself a present because he's doing such a good job
2: being an asshole yeah
0: so another interesting fact that kind of points towards pre-planning is he had always previously been very punctual when paying rent and then he just didn't pay december So, here's where it all really begins.
1: So here's when he becomes a shitty person. Right. Well. A shittier person.
0: On December 6, 1989, at approximately 4 p.m., Mark walked into École Polytechnique and he went to the second floor. He first sat in the office of the registrar where he was seen rummaging through a plastic bag, and he didn't speak to anyone, despite the, a staff member asking him if she could help him with anything. Like, why are you here?
2: Why the frick are you standing around rummaging rum- rum- in a plastic bag, my dude? Like, uh? Then he- your school bag? Are
0: you okay? <laughs> he then left- <laughs> I'm
2: sorry, when you said he walked into and then paused, my stupid friggin' idiot brain was like, a lemonade stand-
0: Oh, my God.
2: And now
0: I can't breathe, but continue. He left the office of the registrar and was seen in other parts of the building before he entered a second-floor mechanical engineering classroom at approximately 5.10 p.m. He ordered the students to separate men on one side, women on the other, but at first they didn't move because they thought this was some kind of joke. So he fired a shot into the ceiling, so they listened. He next ordered the approximately 50 men to leave the room. And, I mean, he has a gun pointed at them. He's already fired it, so they listen. He asked the women if they knew why he was there. And after one replied no, he told them he was there to fight feminism. One student, Natalie... Provost said, quote, "Look, we are just women studying engineering, not necessarily feminists ready to march on the streets to shout we are against men. Just students intent on leading a normal life." Un- end quote. He responded, "You are women. You're going to be engineers. You're all a bunch of feminists. I hate feminists." End quote.
1: And we hate you. So, and then
0: you know. he shot all nine of the women. Killing six and injuring the other three. Is it starting to sound familiar now, Emma? Yep. Yeah.
2: Shout out to to the guys who are still trying to end feminism.
0: Oh don't That's worry.
2: Dumb, but also please stick to tweets. Thanks.
0: Don't worry. We get there.
1: Oh joy.
0: After that he went into the hallway and wounded three more students. And then he entered another room where he tried twice to shoot a woman, but his weapon failed. So he ran into the emergency staircase and reloaded. And then he tried to go back to that same classroom, but they obviously had already locked the door. He fired into the door three times, but still couldn't get in. So he left. He continued down the hallway shooting at other students and wounding one. He then went into the financial services office where he shot and killed Maurice uh, Lagunier through the window of the door that she had just locked to stop him from entering. Uh. Next, he went to the cafeteria where about a hundred people were gathered and everyone scattered after he shot a woman standing near the kitchen. Then he entered an unlocked storage area where two women were hiding from him and he shot and killed them both.
1: I thought he wanted women in the
0: kitchen. That's so a good point. what's
1: the issue. The same. Like, he started
2: shooting women in engineering because apparently that's feminist, and then he goes, what, shoots lunch ladies?
0: No. Leave the ladies alone. <laughs> no, I mean, she was a student, but she was by the kitchen.
2: Or she could have just been like, I'm in nursing, and been like, no! Yeah! Sorry, no! Nah!
0: No! No, no, no. He told a male and female student who were hiding under a table to come out. So they reluctantly obeyed, and he didn't shoot them. Which is just really Uh-oh. odd. Like, he just told them to come out from under the table, and then just let them leave. You know what
2: you should title this episode? What? modern gas Gaston. What? Modern modern
0: month. day Gaston.
2: on. <laughs> French hates feminists. Hates women. Yeah. Women belong yeah, to hates women. Make me be who don't like who don't automatically bend to him and are like, Oh my goodness, you're just so amazing. So and when a woman says no, it goes out the deep end.
0: He went up to the third floor where he wounded two male and one female student in the hallway. And then he entered another classroom and shot and wounded Maurice Leclerc who was standing at the front of the classroom on the low platform. He shot at students sitting in the front row and killed two women who were trying to escape. He went over to more female students, wounded three and killed one. He then changed the magazine in his gun before going back to the front of the room and shooting in all directions. Maurice Leclerc was asking for help, so he pulled out a hunting knife and stabbed her three times. Approximately 20 minutes after he had began this attack, so around 5.30, and after stabbing Maurice, he turned the gun on himself and killed himself.
1: You couldn't have done that
0: sooner. A total of 14 women were killed that day.
1: How many were injured?
0: Four men and 10 women. That's horrible. The first police on scene set up a perimeter and didn't enter the building and waited for backup. And during this time while they were waiting, multiple women were killed. So, next I'm going to tell you all of the 14 victims' names, the women who died. So I'm just going to read through them all. So Genevieve Bergeron was born 1968 and she was a civil engineering student. Helen. Colgan was born 1966 and she was a mechanical engineering student. Natalie Courteau was born 1966, she was in mechanical engineering. Barbara Dagenal was born in 1967, also a mechanical engineering student. Anne Marie Edward was born in 1968 and was a chemical engineering student. Maud Havernick was born in nineteen sixty and was in materials engineering. Maurice Maurice Lagonier was born in nineteen sixty four and was the budget clerk in the finance department. Maurice Leclerc was born in nineteen sixty six and was a materials engineering student. Anne-Marie LeMay was born in 1967 and was a mechanical engineering student. Sonia Pelletier was born in 1961 also mechanical engineering. Michelle Richard was born in 1968 was materials engineering student. Annie St. Arnold was born in 1966 also mechanical. Annie Turncott was born in 1969. It was in Materials. And this last name, I have no chance at pronouncing right, so I apologize. Barbara Klesnick widjewisk was born in 1958, and she was a nursing student. So those are the 14 women he killed that day. A three-page suicide letter was found in his jacket pocket and it was never officially made public but it was leaked in November of 1990 to journalist Francine Pelletier and was published in the newspaper La Presse. In his letter, Le Pen claimed political motives and blamed feminists for ruining his life. He considered himself a rational person and expressed admiration for Denis Lortier, who had attacked the Quebec National National Assembly in 1984 for political reasons and had killed three Quebec government employees. It also contained a list of 19 women who he wished to kill because they were feminists. <gasps> and now... To be clear, his definition of feminist is just not a homemaker. Doesn't matter what you're doing, what field you're in, anything. If you're not at home with babies cooking, you're a feminist. Love that. He, he would
1: have hated
2: to see today.
0: Good yeah. thing he killed himself, otherwise he might have had a heart attack. Another letter he had written to a friend promised an explanation for the massacre via clues left in his apartment, but the hunt only led to a suitcase full of computer games and hardware. I'm gonna read his letter. It's fairly short, so. And it is translated from French, so it might not be make like complete sense in English, but. It never does. Yeah, so here you go. Forgive the mistakes. I had 15 minutes to write this. See also annex. Please note that if I commit suicide today, 89-12-06, it is not for economic reasons, in brackets, for I have waited until I exhausted all my financial means, even refusing jo- jobs, and brackets, but for political reasons. Because I have decided to send the feminists, who have always ruined my life, to their maker. For seven years, life has brought me no joy and and being totally blasé. I have decided to put an end to those vigorous. I tried in my youth to enter the forces as an officer cadet, which would have allowed me to possibly get into the arsenal and proceed Lortier in a raid. They refused me because... You're a psycho. Oh, it's supposed to say antisocial, but it didn't translate correctly. I therefore had to wait until this day to execute my plans. In between, I continued my studies in a haphazard way, for they never really interested me, knowing in advance my fate, which did not prevent me from obtaining very good marks despite my theory of not handing in work and the lack of studying before exams. Even if the mad killer will be attributed to me by the media, I consider myself a rational erudite that only the arrival of the grim reaper has forced to take extreme acts. For why persevere to exist if it is only to please the government? Being rather backward-looking by nature, except for science, the feminists have always enraged me. They want to keep the advances of women— Example: cheaper insurance, extended maternity leave, preceded by a preventative leave, etc., while seizing for themselves those of men. Thus, it is an obvious truth that if the Olympic Games removed the men-women distinction, there would be women only in the graceful events. So the feminists are not fighting to remove the barrier, they are so opportunistic, they do not neglect to profit from the knowledge accumulated by men through the ages. They also try to misrepresent them every time they can. Thus, the other day I heard they were honoring the Canadian men and women who fought at the front line during the world wars. How can you explain that since women were not authorized to go to the front line? We- We will hear of Caesar's female legions and female galley slaves who, of course, took up 50% of the ranks of history, though they never existed. A real casus belli. Sorry for this too brief letter. That's
1: it. That's how he ends
0: it. Well, and then he signs his name.
1: Love, Jackoff.
0: I would just like to say... There were women on the front lines of the wars as nurses. They were still I mean, right there.
1: Yeah, the front line means the literally front line jack off.
0: Yeah, they weren't fighting, but they were nurses.
1: Yeah, it doesn't
2: necessarily mean like they were their sh- soldiers.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and just like what the other things he points to in history but women didn't do it, they were still there. They still existed. They still contributed somehow. And that was actually the first time I read his letter. I didn't read it ahead of time.
2: Well, my, like, my grandma was in the U.S. Navy, I want to say?
0: I think that's what you said before. Hmm? I think you've told me that before, and I think you said Navy before.
1: Yeah, I think she was in the Navy as a secretary. And those people still have just as much chance at dying.
0: Yeah, that too. Like, they... Yeah. Even if they're not in the trenches, but at, like, the home base, that can still get bombed, too.
1: hmm Yeah, like, every place is a high risk. Plus, yeah. like, in some... There's... Who do you think's looking after everything when the men are gone to war or whatever? Like, if we're thinking the first war, um, when truly less women were involved, like... And I'm no history person, so I don't know much. So I'm probably going to sound like an idiot, but you know, the women stayed home. They took after the kids like always. They took after farms. They took after businesses and everything. Mm-hmm. They ran the literal world while the men were out
0: doing this. Yeah, and, they, had know, take, so well, they had to take well. They had to take over all the jobs and still take care of the children too, because there was no other person to help them with it.
2: Mm, yeah, like that's why Rosie the Riveter, the iconic picture, became because they were having to go into the factories, and they had to, like, they had to take over making everything, and it wasn't like, oh no, the country is falling apart, the women have to do everything! It was, <laughs>
1: nope. men no. No, we just have to fucking do shit, so let's fucking yeah. do shit.
2: men are gone, guess we better get in there and do it.
1: If only they had oh, taught us this okay. stuff's like,
2: Hey, pants are great, we're keeping these.
0: Time yeah. to get yeah. shit done. In pants.
1: Let's improve something while we're here.
2: Yeah, women were like, pockets? Pockets! (laughs) I mean, no, let's be honest, they probably had pockets in skirts back then. Yeah. Um,
0: It may have been
2: deeper in men's pockets.
0: Pockets, um, actually, so I always thought pockets stopped being a thing because of purses, but that's not true. It started during the whole uh, witch trials... Era, because it was seen as witches were hiding their spells and magic items in their pockets, so they stopped making women's clothes with pockets. Oh and my God! Look at
1: this pocket. That's why I got
0: it. And then the bag industry took advantage of that and started making purses. Here, here.
1: And that's here's not, not witchcraft.
0: Hello, it's just a giant pocket. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so, um, next I'm kinda gonna get into, like, some of, well, some of, like, the why he might have come to this, like, the psychology aspect, mm-hmm. psychology, I guess, behind it, and attacks like this in general. So obviously because he commits suicide, he wasn't, didn't actually talk to anyone after, So there's no official diagnosis or anything. A forensic psychiatrist who interviewed Mark's friends and family that had access to his letters suggested that he may have had a serious personality disorder. Which like, yeah, I could have guessed that. The psychiatrist also noted that his fantasies of power and success combined with a high level of self-criticism and difficulties dealing with rejection and failure pointed to extreme narcissistic vulnerability. His feelings of powerlessness and incompetence were compensated for by grandiose and violent imaginary life. So this is like him having the list of all the other women he wanted to kill and imagining murdering his sister. Other psychiatrists suggested that he was psychotic and had lost touch with reality as he tried to erase the memories of his abusive father while also unconsciously identifying with a violent manhood that dominates women. Other theories were that he had suffered some brain damage from his abuse as a child and or it led him to feel victimized as he faced losses and rejection in his life later life which while speaking of rejection i would also like to say he never actually dated and from what i found it's not like women rejected him all the time and that led to it it was literally just the fact that he didn't get into university because he didn't meet the qualifications so he decided to blame women
1: because he was too lazy to do any of these extra courses he decided that women were to blame
0: Yeah, not that they're any more to blame if they reject him a lot, but, like, that's the normal, like, that's what you usually see in cases like this. But really, no woman have ever actually done anything to him at all, except for sibling teasing. Yeah. Monique, his mother, speculated that he may have suffered from an attachment disorder due to the abuse and sense of abandonment he had experienced in his childhood. And she also wondered whether he viewed her as a feminist and if the massacre might have been an unconscious attempt to get revenge for her neglect while she pursued her career and for his sister's behavior. Which is just so sad to think about, like, his mom was blaming herself, almost.
1: And that's women on you. That's that's women for you. That's mothers in particular. Yeah. Yeah. My kid just, decided that he was a piece of shit and was gonna shoot up school, so I must be the And Like, but in but some ways, like some
2: horrible therapists also do that too. Like my my aunt went to therapy and was really ticked off at my grandma for a long time because the therapist was essentially like, "Okay, okay, so you're an addict. Okay, okay, so you like to rebel. Okay, so it's your mom's fault."
0: My oh, the mom. Like, what? <laughs> one sec. That you were saying, Sarah?
2: So, like, yeah. Sometimes it can be parents—not faults, but just influences. And like, like yeah, like n- no parent's perfect, but you can't go in the past and fix that. But when it comes down to it, it's your fault. Mm-hmm. You did it. You you did the dumb. You did you did the dumb thing.
0: Yeah, and. Regardless of how you were raised, positively or negatively, like, if you had a fantastic childhood, or if you had a horribly abusive childhood, how you were raised does affect the kind of person you become, but at one point, you make a choice. Like, you make the choice, are you going to continue the cycle of abuse, or are you going to end it at yourself, for example? Like, if he,
2: when he grew up, if he, obviously he grew up, but like. When he got out of that house and he went into the world and was like oh crap i'm talking to all these people and realizing i was not raised in a healthy manner
0: hmm
2: should i talk to someone about that no i should just rage
0: no it was the 80s of course not
1: Nah, let me just (laughs) rave
0: so many feminists and government officials viewed this as an example of misogynist violence committed against women which Yeah, it was. Criminologists consider the massacre an example of hate against women. And some wondered if his actions were the result of societal changes that had led to increased poverty, powerlessness, individual isolation, or increased violence in the media and in society. So, basically people wonder if it has to do with media and society, which, I mean, everything does have to do with society at some point. We are society, so yeah, but, like, it can't be our scapegoat for everything.
1: At the end of the day, this guy is just
0: a fucking asshole. Exactamundo.
2: There there have been horrible people in history. I can't name them off the top of my head. But there have been people who started out as perfect Oh man had good background no and- Hitler
0: had a lovely childhood, yeah they- he just yeah. lo- he got rejected from
2: and, I- yeah. art school and, then, and snapped yeah, and there's like pictures of Hitler, you know being all nice with a little girl. it's like, yeah, so behind the monster, there was a man, but he was still a monster,
1: yeah, and there's plenty of those, yes. And
0: I kind of low-key referenced a musical, but... <laughs> so, um my next little section and final section is just kind of a bunch of stuff that happened after this. So, obviously, he never went to jail or anything because he committed suicide. And like I said, with the psychology stuff, none of that is official... None of those... Um, illnesses are official diagnoses because he was dead, so they never spoke to him, and you can't diagnose someone without speaking to them. So afterwards, um, a few anti-feminists were seeking to, or still are seeking, to rehabilitate Mark as a hero of their cause. Sorry, Emma, you look like you're going to say something, so I paused.
1: No, I was just thinking,
0: what the fuck? <laughs> That's my what the fuck face. Okay. The Quebec and Montreal governments declared three days of mourning following the event, and a joint funeral for nine of the 14 women was held at Notre dame Basilica on December 11th, 1989. So that was five days after. The funeral was attended by the Governor General, Prime Minister, Quebec Premier, and Montreal Mayor, along with thousands of more. A House of Commons subcommittee on the status of women was created in response to the shooting, and they released a report titled The War Against Women in June of 1991. The federal government followed the committee's recommendations and created the Canadian Panel on Violence Against Women in August of 1991. The panel released a final report titled, Changing the Landscape, Ending Violence, Achieving Equality, in June of 1993. The panel proposed a two-pronged national action plan designed to increase women's equality and reduce violence through government policy. It consisted of a zero-tolerance policy and and an equality action plan. Canadian feminist Jackie Rubick said, quote, The death of those young women would not be in vain, we promised. We would turn our mourning into organizing to put an end to male violence against women. End quote. The event also sparked debates about gun laws and violence against women in Canada, of course. The Coalition for Gun Control was formed shortly thereafter. And their efforts contributed to the November 1995 adoption of Bill C-68, which was the Federal Firearm Control Legislation, which includes mandatory registration of all firearms, licensing for all firearm owners, a national registry for all weapons, background checks, verification processes, and controls on ammunition sales. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. But it sucks that that's what had to happen for, you know, logical things to be put in place.
0: Yes, definitely. But it shows...
1: Progress?
0: Yes, and I was going to say not to get too political, but really how is this not, how has this not at all been political up until this point? But <laughs> it shows the difference between Canada and the U.S. We had a mass murder in the 80s. And the weapon was a gun, so gun laws changed.
2: Yeah, we responded
1: logically. What's
0: mm-hmm. that? And I mean, I'm not even gonna get into that because it just, I can't.
1: Open there's of podcast to that. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, like, I think everyone who's into, well, most people at least who are into true crime have a specific topic that they just can't handle mine is school shootings this is different um you know
2: it's not to be like oh it's adults it's okay but it's definitely different from like a like sandy hook
0: yeah i mean ones like sandy hook and ones where kids go to their high school and kill a bunch of other students and i just have a I just can't do those cases, I just can't. Like, if a podcast I listen to does an episode on them, I can't listen to them. I just, for whatever reason, I just can't. The male survivors have been criticized for not intervening. And a right-wing newspaper columnist named Mark Stein blamed the men not intervening on a, quote, culture of passivity, end quote, among Canadian men
1: uh there was a freaking gun mark yeah i know that's an interesting t- point because like I yes, obviously everyone would want to be a hero in that situation and me now picturing myself i'd want to somehow be a hero but like reality wise gender race ethnicity doesn't matter when it comes to like preserving your life and so that really plays on the male stereotype of Protecting the women, and it's like yeah. that's another side of things that needs to change. Well,
0: you know? exactly. And if it and was like, the other way around, if a bunch of men had been murdered and women had been injured, the women wouldn't have been criticized for not stopping it. No, exactly.
2: Yeah. Like that's a whole lot of talk for a guy who wasn't in the situation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly.
2: I like, like would. Oh, suddenly I forgot that men are made of men are made of Kevlar and can just leap in front of a woman and like superman the bullet and stop it in slow motion like you weren't in the situation shut your face like there's a whole lot of difference between talking about being in the situation and actually being in the situation it's like cpr training like yeah you practice on the dummy and then there's a real life body in front of you that's choking and you're like oh frick what do i do again
0: exactly and it goes for so many things like people are so quick to judge how people react in in crises like how parents of missing children or murdered children will be criticized for either being too emotional or not emotional enough or being too rehearsed or but you never know how you're going to react until you're in that situation and a lot of people i would i mean i have nothing to base this on but i would argue majority of people do not react how they expect themselves to
1: That's every time I've ever heard anyone in a traumatic experience be like, yeah, no, I didn't expect that. Like, I didn't know how to handle it.
0: Exactly. Yeah, we
1: can talk all we
2: want to about what we would do, what we would do, what we would do. do. But when it actually happens, your body takes over and something else happens. Like
0: It happens. So, obviously... Many of the male survivors have expressed remorse for not doing anything to stop him. But Yeah. But Natalie Provost, who I believe was the woman who stood up to him when he came into the classroom, yeah. said
2: guts. What? Like I'm just saying like guts, holy crap. Yeah. So, like, I think oh, it was, I was like, guts being like a dude. Like, what
0: the frick? I think it was her. Now, there were two different Natalies.
2: Or I guess i just say, oh, I get that.
0: <laughs> so, she said she felt that nothing could have been done to stop, stop Mark, and the male survivor should not feel guilty for not acting.
1: Yeah, no. There would have just been more male casualties. I mean, yes, he might've, they, like, if everyone went after him, yes, there could have been less fatalities, but, you know, there would still be shit hit in the he fan. He had a gun!
0: Exactly. And a hunting knife, and a hunting knife,
2: and Just... a hunting knife. What are they gonna do? Pummel them with their,
1: like, pummel him with their fists? Take the gun away is probably what they were thinking. You know, like as a survivor, they're gonna be like, I could have, sh- I should have disarmed him. Then, we all went after him. But yeah,
2: go up to the guy. Yeah, like you can't go up to a guy realistically who's experiencing a mental health crisis. Obviously, and go like, ta ta, give me the gun.
0: Well, and it also mm-hmm. was only twenty minutes. Like
2: yeah, it was fast. It wasn't. He did a lot of like, damage and a lot of lo- the, lot like, in a long time.
0: The classroom that he killed himself in, when he went in there, they were still going business as usual because it had only been twenty minutes since the first killings. Like since he started, so it happened so fast. Like other classes had no idea what was happening, and that's why there were so many people in the hallways and in the cafeteria.
1: That's truly horrifying.
0: Yeah, because they had no idea.
1: I never want to leave my house. Ever. So in
0: 1991, the federal government of Canada declared December 6th a National Day of Remembrance and Action on Violence Against Women. And also in 1999, the White Ribbon Campaign was launched by a group of men from London, Ontario. The purpose was to raise awareness about the prevalence of violence against women, and the ribbon symbolizes, quote, the idea of men giving up their arms, end quote.
2: Like the only good thing
1: London's produced. <laughs> Yay, London!
0: The place <laughs> de the 6 December 1989, Côte de yes. Nige or Notre Dame de Grace Borough of Montreal. Yeah. So, uh, borough in Montreal I guess was created as a memorial to the victims so so it's located at the corner of Queen Mary Road and De Seals Avenue near the University and it includes an art installation by Rosemary Gulette titled Nef pour Courtois or NAV for 14 queens. It is this, And it is the site of the annual commemorations. And then going back to a negative note. A, m- a memorial in Vancouver, B.C. dedicated to all women murdered by men received criticism because critics felt it implies that all men are potential murderers.
1: All men are potential murderers. All women are potential murderers. Everyone is a potential
0: murderer. Exactamundo. Thank you. And, huh As a result of these criticisms, women who participated in the project received death threats, thus, awesome. prov- thus proving what they were so mad about. Literally. Yeah. How dare you say we're all murderers? I'm gonna fucking kill you! Like, what the fuck? Please me. stop yelling at us! Yes. I'm gonna kill you. Literally. The Vancouver Park Board banned any future memorials that might antagonize other groups.
1: Oh, come on. Might antagonize men.
0: Well, and other groups, I think, too.
1: We
2: don't want to anger them, so can we just please stop?
0: And then this is kind of irrelevant, but also quite sad. His sister, Nadia, died from a drug overdose at age 28 in 1996. Poor girl. And their poor mother, she lost both her children,
1: yeah,
0: within less less than ten years
1: as the mom is she still
0: alive? I believe so. The event has been commemorated through mu references in music, television, and theater in two thousand four. A play about the shootings called The Anorak by Adam Kelly was named as one of the best plays of the year by the Montreal Gazette. A play titled December Man by Colleen Murphy was, the fir- was first staged in 2007 in Calgary. The movie Polytechnique was released in 2009 and directed by Denis Villeneuve, it was, and it was criticized for the desirability of reliving the tragedy in film. So, basically for sensationalizing it. Oh, gotcha. Several songs have also been written about the event, event, such as This Memory by the Wired Sisters. I want to say weird. It's spelled W-Y-R-D.
1: I think it is Weird Sisters.
0: 6 December 1989 by Judy Small and Montreal by The Tragically Hip. I love The Tragically
1: Hip.
0: However, my last two points are uh, more positive <laughs> notes, so it goes a little bit up. The criticism yeah. of how police treated the scene and how they didn't go in um, has spark has since sparked changes. And in 2006, when one woman was shot and killed at Dawson College in West Mount, Quebec, the first responders coordinated with each other and acted fast enough and were credited with minimizing loss of life. So only only one woman died because of how quickly they acted. So there were great improvements there. And in 2013, a new science building at John Abbott College was named in Anne Marie Edwards' honor because she had attended that college before university. Oh, oh my gosh, I have a couple more points. My bad. To commemorate the 25th anniversary in 2014, 14 searchlights were installed on Mount Royal in Montreal, facing the sky, and were lo- lit at the exact time the massacre began. Wow. Also, in two thousand fourteen, a thirty thousand dollar scholarship for female engineering graduate students, called the Order of white, of the White Rose, was established. The oh,
1: white, cause the white flag.
0: The hmm. selection committee was is made of, up of presidents, principals, and deans of engineering from several Canadian universities, and is chaired by Michelle Thibodeau de Guerrero who was the first female graduate from École Polytechnique. And that is all. Um, My sources for this were Wikipedia and the Canadian Encyclopedia.
1: Wow. I just can't picture anyone wanting to kill anyone. Like, obviously sometimes they get mad at people, and I'm like, man, I hope you stub your toe, but that's... That's it.
0: There are many cases where I can understand someone being driven to those circumstances, but not like this. I mean, like, the woman who recently made news for brutally, uh, brutally murdering her boyfriend when she found out he has sexually abused her children. Like, stuff like oh, that. Yeah. When someone hurts your loved one, I can understand rationalization behind... Like, I can understand being pushed to that point. But not this. Yeah, the rage. This was just
1: him trying to be a main character when he shouldn't
0: be. Yeah, and, like, he was a smart guy. He did really well in school. He could have done... Had a really good career ahead of him and been very successful. But instead, he chose to kill that bunch of women. And he, like... People... Like, one of the points in the psychology was also, like, he blamed his incompetence on women, but he wasn't incompetent. Like, he did well in school, he just didn't get into the program he wanted. But there's so much more out there.
1: Yeah, no, there's a lot of other stuff he could have done, he could have actually put effort into it.
0: Like, man got 100% on a final exam... Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Disturbed Minds. Please like and subscribe wherever you listen, and don't forget to follow the show on Instagram for show details and more at Disturbed Minds Pod. That's D I S T U R B E D M I N D S P O D.